Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Harry Chisholm, and uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm on a bit of a cold streak. So I mentioned yesterday that uh, that that I did like a Bayfall podcast, like the, the full, it was a long podcast. I've had a lot of thoughts that are bottled up, and um, they're like the file corrupted, then just there was no way to recover it, and in hindsight, should I have spent an hour trying to recover it? No, I should have just quickly recorded a new one. Well, fast forward to today when uh, the plan was to do like this full Bayfall podcast, repeat all the things I've said. There's a couple other things too. So I did that and it was, it was, it was, I think it was 49 minutes. And then I realized that what must have happened is about three minutes in, I got a call from, uh, Somebody trying to say that my insurance, or no, 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 that my car warranty was up. Love that. And I guess because the call went to like the iPad 2, that stopped it recording. And so 46 minutes of it were deleted. So uh, we get to just run through this whole thing again. Um, let me tell you, and I'm going to vent real quick, and I'm going to shut up about it. And uh, they're bright sides too. But, um, there is literally nothing worse than that, especially when it's like it's like one thirty now, and the DMVR golf league. I think my tee time's at four, so I've got to be out of here by three. And so, uh, yeah, was an hour podcast. Me, it means that I will just be rushed. Like, do I have time to shower? Do I have time to like go to the gym? All those sorts of things that I thought I planned the day so well. <sighs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? The answer, by the way, is I put on my headphones, turned on some like Lana Del Rey. She's going to calm me down while I re-record this entire podcast. The worst part, honestly, is that it went well. Like there are times when you're like, ah, a second crack at that probably would have come out a bit cleaner. And uh, sometimes you even just do it. But this was not one of those podcasts. I hit every point I wanted to hit. I said them clearly, concisely. And like that's, doesn't matter. Time to move on. We're right here. I've got a lot of things that I want to talk about today, um, and I am so warmed up you wouldn't believe it. I had to like, I, I drank a little bit more coffee because I was like, I, I'm, I feel like I might be dipping just a little bit now, but I definitely will be in like a half hour. So yeah, we're all good to go. We've got some basketball to talk about. Today's all basketball. Going to start off with, uh, with what were we starting off with? Oh, a little bit about Jabari Walker, a little bit about McKinley Wright. And then we're going to get into a whole lot of stuff about 
a potential future Colorado Buffalo Bayfall for the third time. Um, real quick before we get into that, I want to remind you guys about the Colorado XOs, their rugby team here, obviously in Colorado. Uh, they finished their first season at 500. They're trying to get a bunch of new rugby players, and they've been talking to some people. To, I can't talk about that, but um, yeah, they uh, they're trying to get new rugby players who are good at other sports on a U.S. national team into Major League Rugby. They've gotten three guys into Major League Rugby. I'm pretty sure one of them actually got signed also to the San Diego Chargers, but yeah. We're not getting into that. Uh, the point is, cool things going on. They've got a big Rugby Town Sevens tournament coming up in August, the 20th through the 22nd. Definitely stay tuned for that. They've got uh, movies that they're playing out at Infinity Park in Glendale, Rugby Town National Training Center, all that stuff. Um, outside movies, what could be better? I can't think of anything. Uh, so definitely check all that out as well. Listen to DMVR Rugby Podcast. Follow them on Twitter, all that stuff. Read the content on the website. You'll be uh, happy that you do. Especially ahead of the Olympics. I should say that. Uh, now's the time to get ready for the Olympics because rugby is going to be one that I'm going to be tuned into, I think. Okay. So the good news is I think I can get through all of this pretty quickly because there were a couple of dumb things I said that I don't need to say again. Um, so let's just let's just dig in. Start with Jabari Walker. This is going to be a quick one. Um, so he is competing to be on the U.S. U19 national team. Obviously, that would be like a, a, a very significant achievement for him to be able to go and do that. Um, he made the cut down to the final 17. Um, so those are the finalists, I guess. Not the final 17. The final cut is the final 12. So it's a 12-man roster. I'm pretty sure the... Uh, tournament I'm, I'm actually very sure now the tournament is in latvia and uh since the last podcast does not exist anywhere you guys don't get to listen to me try to remember which nba superstar is uh is from latvia the answer chris daps porzingis took a google only i know about that it's not really an inside joke um but yeah honestly not too much to add there like a huge achievement I can say that I, I didn't recognize the names on the roster for the most part, uh, but I clicked on the bios, and they were really impressive bios. I mean, it, it's who you'd expect it to be. The, the best under-19 players in American basketball. Uh, looking through past teams, you know, you've got guys like like Jalen Suggs was just on that team. And uh, what an honor it would be for him to get on that. Oh, a couple other notes. Uh there was the, so they have all the U.S. Olympic trials going on now. People trying to make their way on the U.S. Olympic team. Last night was the women's 1500 meter race. Um, two buffs were involved in that. You had Jenny Simpson, who's been to three Olympics before. You've got Danny Jones, who just graduated. She was not there this year. She decided not to come back for like the bonus senior year, I believe. Um I think Danny finished like one spot ahead of Jenny, but it wasn't quite enough to get in. Uh, I think they finished like ninth and tenth, and they took the top three with third place being like I want to say it was a four oh two oh nine, and they were both at like right about four four minutes six seconds, so about four seconds behind, which is very close to being an Olympian. It's kind of crazy how close 
all that stuff is. But uh, disappointing for sure. Uh, luckily, Danny's going to have plenty more shots to try to get in there. Um, so, yeah. Yep, that was all the smart things I had to say before. Um, oh, McKinley Wright. Uh, let's let's talk about him for a brief second, too. Again, it is kind of nice having, like, I, I have a practice run under my belt. Um, we don't know a whole lot. I'm pretty sure yesterday was the first day of the combine, and it might have even been, like, an afternoon thing. So far, they haven't really done anything all that interesting. You know, so they do they do drills like um, shooting while moving, and then they have a separate set that's shooting from one spot, and then they record like, okay, you get 20, 20 shots from wherever, um, doing both of those things, and then they you know record all that, send the info out to the teams, and it's just one way to try to like measure who's good at shooting. They also do like the the more traditional combine drills, things like sprints and agility stuff and jumps all those things haven't done that either and i'm not sure if they've played any five on five i don't think that they have but i didn't watch so i can't tell you for sure um because it wouldn't show up in the stats anyway actually they probably would publish the stats from those runs um so yeah barely anything has happened yet but what they have done is measure everybody and to be honest, like I wasn't planning on talking about the measurements. You know, I thought maybe we'd we'd jump in once the real things start happening. McKinley Wright came out very well in these measurements, though. I mean, you still look at it. I mean, there's, I think, one guy who came in shorter than him and a couple of smaller guys who opted not to get measured. Or not, not smaller than him, but smaller in terms of basketball. I think there's like three guards that didn't want to get measured. And so they could have come in shorter. McKinley Wright, though, while being the second shortest, was still five foot eleven and a quarter. Um, I expected shorter, if I'm being honest. You know, I think the Buffs listed him at six feet tall. In the couple of times that I got to talk to him one on one, and I guess even when you're not one on one, you still get some perspective. It, uh, I thought we were pretty similar heights, and I'm. I'm probably like five foot ten, and if anything, maybe just a shade under five foot ten. But I think right at about five foot ten. And so for me, seeing five foot eleven and a quarter without shoes, that's solid. That's good. Um, but the number that really stands out is the six foot five and a quarter wingspan. Um, again, there's only like five guys with shorter wingspans. But again, given his measurements, being the shorter guy, that's going to be a big win. And I mean, what I think that really is going to mean to NBA teams is that maybe his defense is more translatable to the NBA than he gets credit for. You know, I think it's easy to say, okay, he's one of the best defenders in the Pac-12, but he's also five foot eleven. Can we really anticipate him being a good defender at the NBA level? Well, when you have those long arms. You can contest just a couple more shots. You know, I mean, the concern with being five foot eleven is how many guards are just going to shoot over you. You know, how many guards are, are six foot three, six foot four point guards that they're just going to be able to get into your body, get the ball above their head, and just shoot like you're not even there. And that's a big part of why you'd be concerned about the height on the defensive end, especially 
Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, that wingspan measurement's going to go a long way for him, I think. And again, you don't see many people analyzing like these numbers, but at the end of the week, there will be people with recaps. They'll be like, okay, who are the winners over the course of the week? And if Kin goes and shoots well, he plays well in the five on five. He already put up the, the measurements that you're hoping to see. And obviously that's not something he can really control. Um, but a good day for Kin on, I guess what it is an important thing. Those numbers are where everything kind of starts. And then you get into the strength and agility, agility, the spot up shooting, the non-stationary shooting, the five on five, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, it's, I think he's in a better place than he was yesterday. That's what I'll say. Um, cool. I think that that's it for that. Oh, and we're ahead of schedule now too. Um, let's take a quick break. Actually, uh, we should get into some of this college football playoff stuff. It's going to be real quick because we spend too much time talking about it. Um, but basically, remember, there's there's like a few different steps. The first one was like the two-year process, putting together this plan. That's when we first heard that there was going to be like a 12-team a, a playoff. That was the, the goal. Um, and then they said, well, in a week, we're going to have a meeting to talk with the rest of the college football playoff management committee. And we're all going to vote and say, like, is this a good idea or not? And then we'll go from there. Uh, moving toward a meeting in September where we'll really try to have a bunch of the details sorted out using this period over the summer to uh, figure things out. Well, there's another committee, the, the College Football Playoff Board of Managers. So the Board of Managers is different than the Management Committee. Important distinction, should have given them more different names. Um, but this is from the president who's the... Uh, what they call? Oh, he's the chairman, actually, and he's the president of Mississippi State. Um, we can skip a lot of it. Says things like, grateful for them taking the time to come up with the 12-team playoff. Uh, Four-team has been a great success. I'm confident it will remain a success. Nevertheless, it's our responsibility to explore options to make it even better. Um, do, do, do. Uh, now they're going to go and talk to the university presidents, the student athletes, athletic directors, faculty, athletics representative, coaches, chancellors, all these people, see what they have to say. Um, I'll read the ending though. We have relationships with the bowls and a broadcast partner with whom we will want to consult to explore the feasibility of the 12 team proposal. This too will happen during this summer study period. Having given the management committee the charge to look into expansion, it is our duty to take their good work and ascertain whether it is feasible based on the feedback we receive. I caution observers of our process not to rush to conclusions about what this board may decide. The working group has presented us a thorough and thoughtful proposal. There is more work to do, more listening to do, and more information needed before we can make a decision. We look forward to hearing more, learning more in time for our next meeting in September. So there you go. Um, and, and the takeaway, let's see how quickly I can explain this now that I have done it once before. Um, so here's the issue. You, you have basically three groups with different interests. You have the college football playoff management committee you have espn which has the rights to the bowl games the rights to the college football playoff and then the third group is the bowl games and 
now college the college football playoff knows what it wants to do and so you have to get the other two sides on your side um when you look at the bowl games the reason they're not going to like it is essentially you're losing teams number five through 12 in the college football playoff rankings and it may not be exactly like that but that's basically what's happening and instead of those what is that eight teams playing in your bowl games you have them moving to to off-campus games for the college football playoff and the next best eight teams filling into whatever i guess the four top bowl games that's not exactly how it works because of tie-ins but basically each bowl game is going to get teams that are about eight teams worse when it comes down to it and when you get all the way down to the very worst bowl then they're going to wind up with teams that were finished eight games away or, or teams that finished eight teams away from being in a bowl game um, now being in that bomb bowl game. So it just knocks everything down a spot. And because of that, you'd expect the TV ratings to get knocked down a spot. Not, I mean, not a spot, but get knocked down by some amount because the, the game isn't going to be quite as much of a draw, especially because now there's more competition with those college football playoff games. Um, so what could happen? Well, you look at ESPN situation, what are they being offered? You know, they're basically being offered uh, eight more. Yeah, it'd be eight more college football playoff games. Those games are going to be more of a draw than the bowl games because, you know, you still have the rights to the whatever bowl. It's just that the whatever bowl, instead of having teams 11-12, is going to have teams, uh, whatever, 20-21, and 21, say. And again, that's not exactly how it works because there's tie-ins, but that's about what you'd expect um, if you're that bowl game and if you're ESPN. And so while the ratings would go down for those bowls, you're also just getting additional games that you did not have before, essentially six more games. And they should be games that at the top end are more of a draw. And overall, ESPN is better off because they have more to broadcast. So can they just go to the bowls and say, hey, you know what? We can just keep paying you the same amount. You know, maybe you'll have less viewers, but that doesn't impact you. That impacts us and what we can get for, for from advertisers. And I guess the bowl games want to advertise other, with other people too. They'll have, you know, the sponsors on the field, the sponsors wherever, the sponsors. They'll have their own sponsors, but the big money is through the TV stuff. And if ESPN can say, hey, we'll give you the same amount of money, Honestly, the bowl games probably don't like that either because they say, sure, for the rest of this deal, you'll give us the same amount of money. But the the notoriety of this bowl, the, the number of people who really care about this bowl is going to go down. And when it comes time to renegotiate these deals, those are the numbers we're going to be talking about when we go into those no, no negotiations. So can, can ESPN pay them enough to make them happy? Potentially. Could the college football playoff chip in? I, where's that money come from? You know, you'll figure it out. But also, I mean, ESPN's probably on the hook, almost definitely on the hook for more money to the college football playoff because they're getting six additional games. Um, and like we said, uh, the according to John Wilner's uh, work, basically conferences get $9 million per year per school that makes it into the college football playoff. And again, that money just goes to, to the conference. 
they expect that to go to 27 million because there's more games, more people watching, all that kind of stuff um, if they expand to 12. So ESPN is obviously probably paying that difference. Um, so those are kind of the, the factors at play here. And at this point, we just have to wait and see if they can get it figured out. And there's probably two options. And the, the first is 2026. Um, I think the 2025-26 season is the final year of the college football playoff contract. That's where you can just renegotiate and say, hey, we, we want to uh, do it this way. And ESPN's probably just down to do that because, again, it's adding better products to their lineup. And they will pay for that. Um, so that is something that I would expect to be very, very, very possible. I don't think that that gets shut down. Um, the, uh, the other option is 2023. And that's the one where all this other stuff comes into play. Can you get that all figured out quickly enough that what? Not this year, not next year, the year after you expand to that 12 team playoff. To me, that's the big question at this point. Um, and there's our little update on the college football playoff. Really don't expect another up. I mean, I guess there could be one in the next couple of days, just like a bit of a follow-up or some reports on what people on campus are thinking. But we shouldn't hear too much more until September, I would guess. Um, so there's that stuff. Next up, Bayfall. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna take just a second to uh, talk about a couple of our sponsors. First of all, Breckenridge Brewery, uh, such a big piece of everything we do at DNVR. Um, whether it's like the content we put out, you'll see Breckenridge logos everywhere, um, us drinking Breckenridge beers on the shows, um, us talking about how much we like them. But also just like behind the scenes, like there's a fridge that, here's how it works. So there's a fridge that gets stocked every few weeks maybe, once a month maybe. I'm not really sure how often, um, but basically Lindsay goes down to Breck and they give her a bunch of beer for us to drink and seltzers and all that stuff. And then uh, it'll last like three days, depending on the time of year. Like during the playoffs, it lasted like three days. Um, I bet right now it might even last like a few weeks. But yeah, it's just like this nice stocked fridge for when we all just go and hang out. And then, I mean, yeah, I mean, you get the point. It's a, it's a cool thing, and it is, like, Breckenridge beer is more DNVR than, like, just about anything else. Um, but, but, again, the reason we're, we drink all of it is because it is so good. Um, especially when you compare it to, like, like, if I'm not drinking Breckenridge beer, I'm probably drinking, like, a, a Coors Light, Bud Light, whatever, one of those sorts of things. And the difference is just kind of crazy, honestly. Everything Breckenridge puts out is so good. You know, like I mentioned, I got leave for the DMVR Golf League in like an hour. Today's going to be a strawberry sky day. Today's going to be a strawberry sky day. It's also a big day for my handicap. So the, the buffs have the, uh, the Casati Classic, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, which I really, really hate. Um, it might be Casati. I think it's, it's got to be Casati. Um, but it's basically a golf tournament where they invite the media out. They, a bunch of like em employees, administrators all play in the tournament. And then some like student athletes, that kind of stuff too. Like Rick George, coaches are all playing out there. 
it's a lot of fun. Former players are out there. Darian Hagen, I guess he counts as a coach too, is out there. But but yeah, um, it's a cool thing, and that's coming up in a few weeks. Um, also, I'm gonna get a chance to talk to Rick George in person, which, wow, right? Like, <laughs> what a world where we we live in after a year and a half away from that. But um, I need uh, I have to send in my handicap, and so DMVR we have that partnership now with the Colorado Golf Association um which is kind of how we started this DMVR golf league thing because we got some opportunities to do things like that and again I am not involved in those decisions I just hear about them secondhand and know that I can now get a handicap for free I've logged like three or four rounds there were a couple of stinkers in there and my handicap is too high honestly, and I'm a little bit embarrassed and I've been holding off RSVPing. Um, there's like a deadline. I'm, I'll get it in before the deadline, but I want to have an opportunity to get that lower, which again is like a weird thing because it will just obviously decrease my chances of winning the tournament. Like the higher your handicap, the, the more shots you get. Um, but it's just like a pride thing. I want to get that thing low if I'm going to have to tell people what it is. Um, but yeah, so today's a big day for me in the golf league. I got to get low today um, and kind of redeem myself from this big number that's staring me in the face right now whenever I open that app. Um, also, if you guys want, there's like a bunch of perks to joining. Like there's there's a DMVR membership and then there's like a golf add-on. I don't talk about this enough, um, but it'll get you things like like you'll become a CGA member, uh, which means you get your handicap, a bunch of other perks. There's like deals for them, a bunch of like like playing common ground golf course. That's the home of the CGA. That's actually the course we're playing today. You get like a discount every time you play there. Um, it's, it's a, it's a cool course. It's a fun course. Uh, last summer, me and RK played against, uh, Vic Lombardi and Mark Mosier from altitude. Um, who I'm assuming you guys know who they are, but like Mark Mosier's the, the play-by-play TV voice of the avalanche. And then Vic Lombardi's, I mean, the, the most accomplished sports media personality in Denver. I think that's fair at this point, you know, it's tough. Like Woody page would have him probably, but like at this point, at this point, Woody is kind of like, he, he has a weekly column. still. I think it might not even be weekly. I haven't seen it in a while. Point is Vic Lombardi is very well known. He's the best, but yeah, we played them last year and that was one of the times we played them and like we streamed the whole thing. It was a lot of fun. Um, one of those was at common ground and Moj hit a 25 foot putt on the 18th hole to, to beat us. And that was just a killer. Moj has a torn Achilles though. So not sure if that's happening again. This has been a bit of a ramble if I'm being honest. Um, I think that's the, the coffee effects kind of drifting away from me. Um, but yeah, point is it's a really cool golf course. It's a golf course that, you know, we played another golf course and some of you probably definitely watched and know what golf course that is. But when we were done, Vic and Moj said, come on, that's what we're playing. That's it's gimmicky. Common ground is a good golf course. And to be honest, it can be a little bit too hard um, at times. Point is, if you get the golf membership, you get a polo, you get some cool stuff, you get discounts to that stuff, a discount to get into the golf league. Um, you know, it's a cool thing that I figured I'd plug. How do we still have another ad? We've been doing this for so long. Um, 
okay. Solace Meds is uh, also an incredible partner of ours, but a newer partner. Um, it is a dispensary. It's a great dispensary with four Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one that is just blocks away from the DMVR bar on East Colfax. Uh, Solace has some banging deals this month. Uh, here's a look at what you should be taking advantage of. For example, 15% off all gold shelf concentrates, 20% off all wanted tinctures and tarts, 20% off all mountain select rosin and cartridges, 25% off all Blues Brothers joint packs, 25% off all Kana one-to-one-to-one gummies, 20% off all Keef Cola products, 25% off Dixie products. We're also doing weekly vendor pop-ups in June, so get out to those too. Um, and the best part is if you use the code DMVR20, you get 20% off after using those deals. Like sometimes you'll see like, cannot be combined with other options. No, these can all be combined and they absolutely should be combined because then, I mean, so let's see, let's say, let's take that 25% off all Dixie products already regretting this one because I realized the numbers are going to be hard. So you're left with 75% of the price and then you get another 20% off. Um, which takes 75 down to what, what 75 divided by five. Oh boy. That's 15 and 15 times four. So now it's down to 60% or so 40% off. It takes it from 25% off to 40% off. There you go. Got to watch me do some math. Um, Make sure that you're taking advantage of this because that, again, 25% off combined with another 20% off after that gets you down to 40% off. What a deal. Um, And you also get to use that code every time. So it's not like a one-time only thing. Um, Solacemeds.com, S-O-L-A-C-E, meds.com. You can purchase there. Okay, uh, third time through all of my Bayfall thoughts. Boy, are these going to be refined. Um, where did I start? I'm not going to lie. I explained this all so well last time. All of my thoughts so well. Let's, let's Before we get into Bayfall, let's talk a bit about Tad Boyle and the way that he runs his program. So, Tad Boyle. A man who's been in charge of Colorado's basketball program for, what, 11 years now? In that time, I don't think he's had a one-and-done. Um, again, I ex- we don't need to spend as long on this tangent as we did the last time. That's the weird part about doing this three times, is there's, like, things that I said that I'm like, yeah, that was really good, and it was a tangent, but we, I can't replicate that. Um, but here we go. So, so Tab Boyle. Been here for a while. I don't think he's had a one and done. I think he's had a couple who've played two years. Um, But, you know, I've talked to Tad about this back again when the world was open and you're allowed to talk to people in the face. And, uh, you know, he he said to me, to other people, basically like this, I'm not interested in one and dones. Like, I understand the appeal. I think that you can win with it, all that. Like, you can obviously win with it. We've seen that before. But... He wants to bring in guys, build a build a culture, build the correct environment, have them work for a couple of years, get better, develop, and become well-rounded players who work well within his systems, who don't make mistakes, who he can trust down the stretch, who, you know, aren't just 18-year-olds who are crazy talented, but sometimes a little bit reckless. 
Um, and, and obviously that's worked. You, you look at the recruiting class with Tyler Bay and McKinley Wright and Deshaun Schwartz and Evan Batty and how, you know, those guys were factors early on, but they became more and more factors over the course of their career until the point where they were the guys. And that's just like a natural progression through a college basketball program. You bring in classes, you keep those classes together, you, you develop players, you figure out how they fit together, you, you patch some holes, but that has been how Tad Boyle has built his programs and how he said he wants to build his programs. Now, I believe that that is what he wants to do. At the same time, though, you do have to wonder, what if Colorado did have the opportunity to go after those guys five years ago? What if, what if there was, let's just say, the number 10 recruit in the country, a guy who Tad Boyle could have brought in, a guy who you expect to probably be off campus a year later? Does he do it? I don't know. And if you listen to Tad Boyle, you probably think, no, that, that's just not his speed. There is room to doubt that, though, just because I think you could question whether those are the sorts of opportunities that Colorado has had. Um, and again, I'm not, I don't mean to knock Tad Boyle for that. He took a program from a fairly low point and built it into one of the best in the Pac-12. And I think it's, it's, it's worth mentioning on top of that, that like you look at the last 10 years, basically Tad's full tenure in Boulder, Colorado is fourth in winning percentage in the Pac-12. Now, obviously like those last couple of years help where they won a bunch of games, competed for Pac-12 titles, but there was a lot of good work done over the course of those entire 10 years. And that's that's a great selling point to be able to say, look at what we did these last couple of years. And look, we got Tyler Bay to the draft while also winning this many games. Sure, you know, fell off at the end, but you don't even have to really bring that up. You say we were a tournament team, had there been a tournament, and you don't even have to explain away like the, the likely round of 64 exit. Obviously, you point to this year as a big success. Um, and honestly, there was more that was possible We've talked at length about all of that, um, but you know, got to win in the NCAA tournament. That's easy to sell. So, so you point to those things. You also get to point to, hey, look, it's been ten years of good basketball. Like, if you come here, we won't suck. You know, we won't suck. And and I think that maybe that was the pitch that helped him get all the recruits he's gotten in the last couple of cycles. You know, some some top fifty guys, a bunch of top one hundred guys, guys who you look at and say, okay. You're really good basketball players and talent-wise probably a step up from what we've been getting into this program in the past. Bayfall is another story. And he comes at an interesting time when Colorado's program is kind of peaking. I think that it's it's kind of reaching new heights. Not new heights because they've hit them at various points in the past. But in recent history, I think new heights is is fair. So you have that going for you, but then also you lost a bunch of your veterans and you still have, you know, Evan Batty around some, some, some guys around who've been around for a while, but it isn't the same as last year where you have just seniors all over, you know, seniors in Deshaun Schwartz in McKinley Wright and Jariah Horn. So many of those guys, Dallas Walton, a veteran team. Now you're going to have a young team and when you have a young team, I think that's when it becomes maybe a little bit easier to say, maybe we do try out this one and done thing. Maybe we do try to go after some of these guys who are freak talents because, you know, we need young guys who can contribute right now. 
And, I, and with that combined with the the success that I think makes it easier to sell a top ten recruit, a guy like Bayfall, now I think is an interesting period for Colorado because, again, I, I the the fire Tad Boyle thing should not ever be a thing. I, I mean, it should not be a thing right now. It shouldn't have been a thing at any point while I was here. Again, I can't really speak to what happened beforehand. I have a general knowledge, you know, a ski of Booker's half-court shot against Kansas, all that kind of stuff, but I don't have the really in-depth knowledge of, like, 2013 Buffs basketball, and maybe there was a point where things are going so far south that it was valid, and maybe a point in the future will come where it's valid. I've never seen it as a valid point. But I do think that a fair question right now is, can Tad Boyle take this team to the next step? And I think he's taken them through one to maybe two steps so far. Um, now, now the question is, can you be a team that goes and wins Pac-12 championships? And whenever you win a Pac-12 championship, it's going to be exciting. But can he get this program to a place where like, they win two in five years? two and four years, or even like two and three years. If and, and if you're that kind of program, then maybe you are up there competing for national titles. And I think, you know, again, like getting to the Sweet 16 will never really be a disappointment, but could you get to the point where maybe fans were hoping for more, you know, because you have made an Elite Eight run, because the expectations are more on par with, you know, in Oregon in the Pac-12 probably being the best example but, you know, it's just so hard to compare to, like, the North Carolina, the Duke, the Kentucky, the just, like, the true blue bloods because they have so much history behind them. Um, but there is just one more step going from, I think right now you say they're a team, you expect them to be a... Uh, to be a team that's getting a bye in the Pac-12 tournament. You know, a top four seed in the Pac-12 tournament. I think that that's a reasonable expectation. Um... Whereas that might have been kind of the goal in the past. Now the goal is a Pac-12 title. The expectation is, is to be right in there. Can you get that one more step to where you are, you know, somebody who's maybe making an Elite Eight run? Um, people are saying, hey, watch out for this team to be a championship team. You know, those sorts of things. And I think part of that is, can you do that at Colorado? Um, and... The answer to both those questions, I would say, is yeah, I think you can do it at Colorado, and I think Tad Boyle can be the guy who does it. Again, you gotta, you gotta wait and see. You know, Colorado, it isn't the hotbed for talent that you know LA is. You know, you've got a Bay Fall, but you know, and so right now is kind of an interesting time for all those reasons. Um, you have he's obviously hot on the recruiting trail, and not like, not like. Uh, like Mel Tucker got hot on the recruiting trail once when he brought in Ashad Clayton and Brendan Rice within like a month of each other. What Tad Boyle's done is extended across like three recruiting cycles. And that's what's so impressive. And when you have that going for you, that is why I think this could be the time for to take that step up and say, okay, we can go get a top 10 recruit, especially a top 10 recruit from Colorado. And so now we get to talk about Bayfall for real. Um, Bayfall, six foot ten center, um, lived in Senegal. I mean, was born in Senegal, moved to Colorado about two years ago, a little over two years ago now, and is an incredible basketball talent. 
Um, I think that, like there's a quote that you'll see around that's like he's he's six foot ten, but he jumps like he's six foot two and moves like he's six foot six. And that basically sums it up. He's got a good-looking jumper. He doesn't knock it down quite as much as you'd want. Um, and honestly, part of that is just how he's used. He's playing more in the post. He hasn't been out on the perimeters so much. But he has all the talents to, to, to turn into a good jump shooter. And has become kind of like one of those internet sensation types of recruits. You know, the Nuggets have a couple of those on the roster. And Bull Bull and Michael Porter Jr., Guys who, when they were in high school, their YouTube videos were getting all sorts of attention. Uh, they're, all the Instagram accounts are posting about them and on the AAU circuit, all that kind of stuff. And that's what happens with Bayfall, too. He is that kind of talent, the kind of guy you look at and say, there is no ceiling. You know, his, his handle is getting cleaner. His jump shot is getting cleaner. And if those two things keep developing, well, then all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, a potential unicorn type of player at the highest level of basketball. Now, obviously, I mean, he's what he's graduates in 2023. He just wrapped up his sophomore season. So those sorts of expectations are unreasonable. But the point is, he's one of those high school basketball players that, you know, there's probably one in every recruiting cycle that just gets crazy, unreasonable expectations placed on them because of how fun they are to watch and how, how easy it is to see them being successful. Bayfall is a special talent and I think that there's good reason to believe that he would choose Colorado. Um, again, not a native Coloradan. He's a native of um, Senegal, which actually my aunt has been there for like three years, but we don't have time for that today. Um, he does have family here. He's got, uh, I think he's got two cousins here and an uncle in Colorado, you know, playing on the same AAU team. I think that that could be a reason he would want to stay. And uh, here's another thing. One of his cousins, Asan Diop, is somebody who, you know, you guys remember Superstar Dev from the basketball post games. He, uh, he told me all about him and said, like, nobody's talking about this guy. He is so good. He, he might even be as good as Bay is. I, and I don't want to put those words in his mouth, but that seems like the kind of thing that he the vibes that I was getting. Um, but you look at his 24 seven sports recruiting profile. He, they haven't given him any stars. They haven't like rated him at all. Like he's just totally gone under the radar, but he's another just incredible talent who I think that there's a good chance. He goes where Bayfall goes. Now, like I said, the reason we're doing this is because Colorado offered Bayfall on Friday. They offered Asan D up, yesterday on monday so you can kind of see the pieces coming together it's worth noting that kansas has also offered a sandy up and part of that i'm sure is absolutely like he is one of bay's guys we want bay the odds get much 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 better if there's a chance for him to come play for his cousin play with his cousin too on top of that asan diop going back and watching looking at the stats too there's um there's just so much to like. Um, where to even start? I guess I, I've left this page because I thought that I was done with it. Um, okay, here we go. Let's let's look through these numbers just because it's pretty crazy. Um, so, 
just listen to this. And again, he was a sophomore this season, and this season playing for uh, Bellevue Christian High School in Westminster. These are the numbers that Hassan Diop put up. Again, as a sophomore, 16.1 points per game, 7.2 assists per game, 19.1 rebounds per game, 1.4 steals per game, 6.8 blocks per game. So a couple of those really stand out, right? Like 19 rebounds, almost seven blocks. What position is here? I mean, even that very much up for debate. He plays point guard. He's also six foot 10. So he's a six foot 10 point guard putting up seven assists per game. And there are some crazy assist games too. I think like there are some 15 assist games in there. Um, there's also obviously like when you're putting up 19 rebounds or whatever, was that what it was? Yeah, 19 rebounds. Like, there's some real big rebounding games, too. But that's because he's playing the point guard position at 6'10", and it's working for him. You look at, like, like I think, uh, like I said, the 24-7 sports, they don't have, like, a rating on him yet. But, like, when you Google Asan Diop basketball, it pops up and says, Asan Diop is a 6'10", 188-pound small forward from Westminster, Colorado. It's like, well, wait, I thought he was a point guard. Then you click on the profile and it says, he's a center. And what position he is, I have no idea. But when you watch him play, and obviously looking at the numbers too, just a, just a freak of an athlete. And I do think that Bayanasan, like, there's a really good chance they're a package deal. Like, why not? Why wouldn't they be? Um, so, yeah, I think uh, that's all exciting stuff. Um, anything else before we get out of here? I mean, I mean... I do think that it's worth noting that Colorado's on a good run with big men specifically. Like, yes, the recruiting across the board has been very good, and there's talented players across the board. But when you look at last year bringing in Jabari Parker, this year, I just call him Jabari Parker, Jabari Walker. Uh, this year you bring in, uh, what, Lawson Lovering. Next year you got Joe Hurlbert. The year after you go after Bayfall. I mean, those front court combinations would just be deadly. Um, and I hope, I hope Bay recognizes that. And I hope he recognizes how much talent there is on the rest of the roster too. Um, but yeah, I, I do think like this is, this is one to follow and it, it may not, it's probably, it's worse than 50, 50 that Colorado lands him. You know, we could say that for sure. What exactly are the odds? I don't know, but Bay is absolutely giving Colorado the time of day and, Bay is going to be, I mean, and the coaching staff is going to do everything they can to get him. I mean, I mean, within the rules though. And does that turn out to be the big problem that somebody else isn't following the rules and they can offer more than Colorado does? There's, I mean, it's college basketball and I'm not going to blame Bay for taking it, but you know, that's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch and we're going to be totally bought in just like we were bought in with, uh, Ashad Clayton, just like we were bought in with Brendan Rice Let's hope that we can go three for three landing these guys that uh, we commit to on this podcast. Um, also, again, worth noting, the the offer sheet for Bay right now, it isn't great, but that's going to change. I think a lot of that's just the dead period. They want to talk to him, not just say there's an offer. But yeah, now that the dead period's over, he's playing all the AAU games this summer. I think there's going to be some offers on the way that are going to fill out. But when you look at it right now and you see... Colorado and Kansas, that's exciting. Especially considering that Colorado and Kansas are going to be playing just up the road from where those two are playing 
uh, December 21st. And and what if at that point we've, we've gotten a, a final five or something and that Bay is considering and both of them are on it. Again, like he's he's playing at that Denver prep school now. I'm not sure if Hassan's going there too. They play on the Colorado Hawks, the AAU team together, um, but they play different high schools. Like I said, now Bay is going to Denver prep, which plays on the national high school basketball circuit, um, which is great for him. It's going to mean a lot more notoriety. People are going to be paying a whole lot of attention to him and putting stuff on YouTube and Instagram and all that because he's an exciting prospect. I wonder if Hassan goes there too. Um but, you know, the point is, if they are playing that and Colorado plays Kansas on a Saturday, you, they, they, they might just be out of town and can't go. But I would love to live in a world where those two are there for that game. Imagine Colorado beating Kansas, getting the Bay Fall commitment just after. We can daydream. We can daydream. That's what the summer's about. Like I said, we're going to be following this whole storyline um, until it ends, until Colorado's either got a commitment or uh, they're out of the mix. But again, Bay's giving them the time of day. That's a big start. That is a big start. Um, cool. That's going to do it for today. I'll be back with more tomorrow.